Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the high school sports scene kicks into high gear this coming week. But first, it's Minnesota State Fair time. It's just a small city that becomes a large metropolis. It's like a Midwest Brigadoon, 12 days of peace, love, and cheese curds. For many Minnesotans, what first comes to mind when you think State Fair is, of course, food, rides, amusement, concerts, just to name a few. Another big part of the Minnesota State Fair this year and every year is the many businesses plying their wares and services. And MNN's Bill Werner talked to the Better Business Bureau's Dan Hendrickson about that. We think most people go out to the fair just expecting to walk around, have some food. But the fact of it is there's many businesses out there who are putting their products out to the public and making sales pitches. We're advising people to kind of just be ready and and know what kind of approach you're going to take if uh, you do find yourself in the middle of a sales pitch, which is just fine. Many businesses, most businesses do it the right way, but we want to make sure customers are aware. There are still things they need to do, even though it's a fun environment, they still need to look at their bottom line. And I'm, I'm sure, I would assume that the state fair does some preliminary vetting, and if there's clearly firms that are disreputable that they wouldn't allow them, um, uh, but um, th- there really are no guarantees, right? So people need to be careful. Yeah, I seem to recall uh, several years ago the state fair did get wind that one of the companies that was going to exhibit at the fair was not doing things maybe by the book or taking care of their customers, and I believe they did pull uh, them from the state fair grounds uh, or said they couldn't uh, be an exhibitor there. So yeah, I think bottom line, the businesses that are there have been vetted, and I think uh, most businesses will probably be very familiar to customers. We're just telling people, look, you still want to make sure you do some uh, comparison shopping, you want to consider your budget, and you also want to make sure you know where to find the company once the state fair is over, just in case you do make a purchase and there's a problem. Are there some uh, red flags, some warning flags, uh, that if you're talking to a a business person there at the fair about a product and and certain things happen, that that maybe ought to give a person pause and not, not immediately enter into a purchase? All year round, I think, including the state fair, anytime you start feeling like you're being pressured, I think, high-pressure sales tactics, that's a good time to kind of take a break and walk away and really, you know, think about things, uh, research the company at BBB.org. We don't want anyone to make a purchase if they're feeling kind of pushed into a corner. That's just not the way that uh, business should be done. So we always want to make sure people are looking out for their best interests and not feeling like, well, you know, I spent five minutes of this fellow's time or woman's time. I've got to gotta buy something now. That's not necessarily the case. Minnesota nice is a good thing, but, um, you know, the fact of it is, uh, you have to decide, is this something I need? Will I use this? Is this uh, something that's good for my bottom line? All good things to consider. And there are uh, cooling off periods that apply to some things, right? But but not to all things. Um, can you give us a quick summary of that? In other words, if a person has second thoughts that it, uh, within three yep. days they could cancel a purchase, but it only applies to some things, right? Yep, the FTC's three-day cooling-off rule applies in certain cases, but it does not apply to the following purchases at the fair. Uh, Purchases under $25, uh, goods or services not primarily intended for personal, family, or household purposes, uh, insurance, securities, or real estate, cars, and arts and crafts. Uh, Those are not covered by the three-day cooling-off rule, and once you make those purchases, uh, barring a reason for a return, you know, if the company allows you to return it, of course, you certainly can, but in most other cases, those goods are yours, and, uh, and you'll have to keep them. Now, let me ask you this, Dan. Do you typically see, um, and I know the BBB gets complaints and, and information from citizens about businesses that are less than reputable, 
Um, did you get a fair amount of that out of the Minnesota State Fair after the after the State Fair is over or, n- or not? We get some calls afterwards, I think, just maybe people kind of either maybe uh, delivery of their product hasn't been made or, you know, usual things that come up in business transactions. Delays usually are the biggest thing. Or sometimes maybe a product wasn't what a person was thinking it was or they're having trouble finding the company that sold them something. You know, because, again, we know even at the State Fair, um, you know, some merchandise may be defective or what have you or not be operating in the manner that it should. So I think it's just really important uh, walking away. Before you walk away with your purchase, get a card, uh, make sure you know where to find the company, research them at BBB. And, um, you know, again, because we know things go wrong, so it's a good idea to know where to find the company once the State Fair closes down. And though it seems far off right now, we know September 4th is going to come pretty quick. Yeah, that's for sure. And it seems like this research that you're talking about is a lot easier to do now, considering that people have smartphones with them, right? And they could, could actually just do some research either at your website or on the internet themselves. Uh, at this company that, you know, walk, just walked down the uh, d- d- down the street a little bit and, and do a little bit of research and check them out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, most people have smartphones now, and our reports are optimized for smartphones, so you can punch up BBB.org. We know customer reviews, BBB offers those, many other sites do as well. And, of course, with your smartphones, you can even do a bit of comparison shopping. You can look at what a product's being offered for and hop online and see what you can find it for online. And, you know, we think it's a great uh, opportunity for everybody. Businesses have a great chance to get out in front of consumers. Consumers have a great chance to have some fun and see the latest sites and products. And we just want everyone to go in with their eyes open and, uh, again, make wise purchasing decisions. The Better Business Bureau's Dan Hendrickson urging everyone to have a whole lot of fun at this year's Great Minnesota Get-Together, but think twice before pulling out the plastic or signing on the dotted line. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota Operation Lifesaver is kicking off Rail Safety Month at the Minnesota State Fair. Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. September is Rail Safety Month. Did you know about every three hours a person or vehicle is hit by a train? Joining me now is Cheryl Cummings, Executive Director of Minnesota Operation Lifesaver. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you, Tasha. I appreciate being here. Well, let's talk a little bit about why we're here today. We're talking about rail safety, and I know the month of September uh, has been designated to raise awareness about rail safety. Uh, There's also going to be the first ever National Rail Safety Week. Before we kind of dive into all that, can you tell me a little bit about uh, Minnesota Operation Lifesaver? Absolutely. Minnesota Operation Lifesaver is a statewide um, nonprofit. Our mission is education first and foremost, but we support what we consider the three E's, so engineering, enforcement, and then the education component. Our mission is to raise awareness and to provide free education to the public um, to bring the number of tragedies around tracks and trains specifically closer to zero. When we're talking about rail safety, what are some of the top concerns uh, that you see when it comes to railroad safety in Minnesota? Well, actually, over 90% of the rail-related fatalities involve a vehicle going through a crossing or a person on the railroad tracks. So despite the fact that Collisions between vehicles and trains have actually come down over the last few decades, especially over the last five to ten years. Unfortunately, it's still a huge concern that educating the public is just as important as those enforcement and engineering uh, advancements. 
And do we have any idea on why folks are getting hung up on the tracks? You know, to me, when you see the stop arms come down, are people still going around them, just not paying attention? What are you seeing and hearing? Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, our ability to get distracted is one of the biggest issues we see, both behind the wheel as well as on foot. Um, unfortunately, distractions are not good for us anywhere, but particularly when we're around trains, which are actually much quieter than most people realize and travel much faster than um, people expect in some cases. Um, that and um, just becoming um, complacent. You know, we cross this crossing every day and we assume that the train's going to come at the same time. But the reality is that trains can run in any direction, on any track, at any time. They don't run on a schedule. Even, you know, in the Twin Cities, we have our passenger rail services and our light rail services. And they can get delayed. They can get hung up. They can have, you know, collisions themselves or maintenance. And so we can never depend on there not being a train. And when we get used to it, you know, we, we forget and we don't pay attention. And that's what, what we're all about is trying to raise that awareness that every time you come to a crossing, you need to see the tracks and think train. And, you know, I don't think people realize, is it easy for a train to stop? It's absolutely not. Um, the larger the vehicle, and especially with trains, obviously there's different mecha mechanisms and, you know, different builds and all that that are involved versus like a typical passenger vehicle. And it can take a fully loaded freight train at, um, to a mile or more to come to a complete stop if they're traveling 55 miles an hour. And, you know, and that's part of this educational campaign that you guys are going to be launching, and I believe it's kicking off at the State Fair. Can you tell us a little bit about um, uh, September being Rail Safety Month and then, of course, uh, Rail Safety Week? Absolutely. Well, we have decided that, you know, we really wanted to reach out to the public in an even greater way than we have in the past. Uh, you know, we've kind of focused on a lot of the summer activities in past years, um, but the, the new statistics that are kind of getting compiled and getting re-picked re apart and re-put re together, you know, how all that goes, you know, we're finding more and more that the reality is that while collisions um, between p people and vehicles and trains do rise in the spring and in the summer and into the fall, they're actually highest between vehicles and trains in the winter months during December and January and February. And they suspect it's because of um, decreased daylight hours. You know, we're we're maybe a little bit more sleepy, we're maybe a little less aware of our surroundings, you know, there's just, you know, a number of things. We don't know for sure exactly what what the contributing factor is, but we wanted to push it a little later in the year so that we could target some of those professional drivers that are driving, you know, they might be driving trucks or driving tractors and things like that. Now, as the days are starting to get shorter here in the fall and then leading up into winter when those collisions are going to be higher. So um, we have decided to celebrate the entire month of, of September. We've got activities and all things planned to help raise awareness to people all across our state, um, starting with the State Fair, kicking that off there um, with special visits from our mascot. We're there with our partners, the Minnesota Transportation Museum, who have a life-size simulator. So you can actually see what it's like to be in the cab of a locomotive when they're faced with a grade crossing collision when there's a vehicle on the tracks. So you can actually see what happens there. That would be, I mean, it's 
pretty much like real life. I've seen different simulators. Have you been in it? Yes. Yes, I have. It's, it's very great. And this year we've got it. They have a phenomenal volunteer that we share. Um, and he actually has gotten it to the point where it's now narrated and he walks you through the whole scenario. It's really great. And where is this located at? We are at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds from now through um, Labor Day. And we are in the Dairy Building, which is on Como and Underwood. Thanks again to my guest, Cheryl Cummings, Executive Director of Minnesota Operation Lifesaver. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Minnesota's own Andrew Zimmern has made a name for himself with a variety of successful food and travel themed shows on the Travel Channel. I ran into Andrew at the Great Minnesota Get Together and I couldn't resist asking him about his go to foods at the fair. What do you look forward to uh, fair food wise at the State Fair each year? It, I'm a classicist. I mean, I go, you know, foot long at Speedy's Old Booth right on Carnes across from the Giant Slide, mini donuts, cheese curds. Cine Minis, Sweet Martha's, all the Kiwanis malts. I'm the longer I've been coming here, the more I go back to the basics. Um, I do enjoy some of the new items entered the list. I think the other year, uh, the sweet corn ice cream down at the Blue Moon Diner, you know, entered my regular rotation. Um, it, it, I think, it takes a lot. You know, the new items come out, and most of them are very gimmicky, and they're meant to attract a lot of attention. You know, what else? can we deep fry and put on a stick? Well, apparently this year it's red licorice bites and things like that. Um, I hold out a lot of hope for the uh, the cranberry and wild rice meatballs. I think the one that sounds the best to me of the new items is the uh, Sonoran hot dog. Uh, one bad dog is how I think their uh, OBD is how they're promoting it at uh, Sausage Sisters and Me over in the food building. So I'm excited to try that one because that just sounds, I love Sonoran hot dogs and they're so good at what they make. Um, sausage by Cynthia, which is over by the French fry booth, um, is one of my regular stops. They make the best beef jerky in North America, hands down, and I've tried it everywhere. Um, and they have 12 or 14 different sausage items um, that I just, I rotate through. I mean, a fantastic bratwurst, great undouille sausage. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to come out here and eat. Have you broadcast from the fair before? I've broadcast here nine years in a row, uh, seven, nine years in a row when I was with Channel 9, then UPN 9, then Fox 9 when I was working for them. Two years before that when I was doing weekends for CARE and now, you know, ever since for the last 12 years doing what I've been doing uh, for a living, I come out here and do a couple media days every year. Do you know if uh, if the vendors at the booths get intimidated when they see you walking up? Absolutely not, because they know that I'm an equal opportunity uh, eater. Um, there, there's a bit of sadness this year. You know, the original cheese curd booth that's on the outside of the food building uh, is no longer. I, I just thought that was a, a real shame, restricting all of us now to two booths for cheese curds. Uh, the mouth trap, which makes a great cheese curd, but it was different in terms of the batter from the uh, other booth, which was, you know, I liked having both. I liked trying both. And now there's a new vendor who's doing flavored cheese curds. And, and I can't understand for the life of me why the State Fair people would, you know, not allow the people at the original cheese curd booth to keep 
going and yet award a new vendor who's doing gimmicky cheese curds. Um, I hope that's not the direction mm -hmm. that, that things are going because I think you see these old, the family dining halls, the church dining halls disappearing. You see these heritage booths, you know, hopefully not one by one being swallowed up by more institutionalized food efforts. Um, I, I hope that this fair retains the magic of these heritage family-run booths because as someone who's been to, you know, 20 some odd states fair around the country and done stories there, you know, everywhere from Texas to California, New York to Arizona. Um, the reason we're better is because of the permanent fairgrounds. We're better because of these old WPA buildings. We're better because our farm heritage here at this fair, our political heritage here at this fair, you know, is as powerful now as it was in the 1860s. And I and I don't want to see that go away when it comes to the the food booths. I think we need to support these old timey family food booths. It's it's like the. Uh, um, you know, you know, Garrison Keeler sort of, you know, sweet take on Minnesota is actually alive and well. Lake Wobegon is alive and well here at the State Fair. Well put. Any uh, any specific bizarre food here at the fair that you want people to know about or exotic food? Well, no, you know, I mean, here's here's the deal. You know, the Bizarre Foods is all ex about exploring food in the culture in which it's present. And the Minnesota State Fair and Minnesota culture in 2017 is about Sweet Martha's and footlongs and Kiwanis malts and about spending time with other Minnesotans. I come out here every day simply because, sometimes just for a couple hours, wander a couple animal booths, go up to the science building, go over to the education building, the arts center. And I do that just because you get to spend time with the people that you live with, you know, your neighbors and your friends. And it's another thing that makes it special. The whole state turns out for this. Um, and that's what I look forward to most. Life is about people. I'd love to think it was about food, uh, but I've learned over the course of my 56 years on this planet that life is about people. Thank you to Andrew Zimmern. Well, we all certainly have our fair favorites, so for the record, mine are Sweet Martha's Cookies, the Turkey to Go Sandwich, and Deep Fried Apple Pie with Cinnamon Ice Cream. I'm getting full just thinking of all those foods. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The high school sports scene kicks into high gear this coming week. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with the Minnesota State High School League's John Malay for Minnesota Matters. Well, one of the fun things for high school sports fans across Minnesota is a chance to read John's journal. Uh, it's a blog, and John Malay drives all over the state, goes to different events, whether it's football, basketball, or any sporting event, and it's north, south, east, west. John, first of all, uh, I know you're excited. Another school year is upon us, and you get to go all over the great state of Minnesota. Yeah, I do, Mike. You know, summer goes quickly here, and I, it's okay with me. I'm bored in the summer because between the end of spring sports and, you know, late in June, we wrap it up, and then pretty soon here it's August, and we're rolling again. It's an exciting time of year. You get to drive that funky-looking car, too, right? I, I'm sponsored by Toyota. I get the plug-in. Yeah, they they provide the car with the graphics all over it. And I I get people uh, on the highway wondering who's who that guy is. I get it's got a big high school league logo on the front that looks like an official logo. I think people look in their rearview mirrors and see that and think I'm law enforcement. Sometimes they slow down. <laughs> That's right, no doubt. You don't want a speeding ticket. Um, take us through a couple of how many years is this? First of all, for you doing this, you used to work at the Star Tribune covering preps there, and then kind of take us through how you decide where you go, what the storyline is, what great. There's so many great stories to tell. Where you find out about. 
about these stories. Yeah, yeah, I was at the Star Tribune for almost 20 years, and I, I was hired by the high school league seven and a half years ago, March of 2010. And, and at the time they hired me, no high school governing body in the country had anybody doing anything like this. So I didn't really have any pattern to follow, and I'm still kind of making it up as I go. But, you know, Mike, I know people all over the state, and even people I don't know will send me an email or a tweet, sometimes a letter in the mail telling me about what's going on. So there's no shortage of stories. I wish I could get to them all, but but I do enjoy you know going all over the metro and, and especially all over greater Minnesota, going into a small school gym when everybody's pumped up. That's that's really fun. Over that seven and a half years, you have to have, I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, a favorite story or two or event or what, what uh, take us through maybe one or two examples that you really have have enjoyed writing about. Yeah, you know, just, just the past year, every summer I go through everything I've written, I come up with a top ten, so I, I post those over the summer. So the, my, my number three story this year was about a golfer in at Westbrook Walnut Grove in southwest Minnesota, a girl who I think two or three years earlier lost an arm in an ATV rollover. She's on the golf team. She's, she was a freshman at the time I wrote the story and is a you know swimmer and a volleyball player and a basketball player. Just phenomenal young lady. And then the number two story was kind of similar. A baseball player at, uh, I want to say, Onamia, uh, adopted from China when he was five years old, born without a left arm. He's a one-armed catcher, and, he, and it's phenomenal, you know, just amazing. Those ones just amaze me. But then my, my number one story from last year was, a, was, it was called Hope for Henry. Skip Dolan is the longtime boys basketball coach at Annandale High School. He has a grandson, Henry, who at the time when I went to this game in, in Annandale in January, I think, I think Henry was nine months old, born with terrible heart problems, had a heart transplant at like a month old. And at the time of this game, the Hopkins boys and girls teams went to Annandale for a doubleheader, and it was a fundraiser night. They had all these cool things going on. And, just to raise money for the family. And at that point, Henry had never left the hospital. Well, he's, he's much better, he's out of the hospital, but to me, just seeing two communities like that, Hopkins and Annandale come together, everybody's wearing Hope for Henry t-shirts, wristbands, and to me, that's just, that, that kind of embodied high school sports, just the whole community coming together for a great cause and just having fun and, and good basketball. John's journals where you can read all of that on the high school league page and great stories to tell and here we are with the school year starting sports already underway with uh, tennis and some others football uh, this weekend and in a few spots and then really gets uh, hot and heavy next week Um, last year was the first year for the high school league at U.S. Bank Stadium kind of take us through how year one went I know you're very excited uh, uh, for year two as well yeah we as of last year we have our soccer and football state semifinals and championship games in the big ballpark downtown you know we, we did it at the dome this is no anybody who's been in there this is not the metrodome this is uh, the metrodome is like the basement of this building so you know we had uh, our games in there last year and it was a first first for everybody first year for the new people with the stadium working with us just trying to find your way through around the building is can be complicated for people walking in there volunteers working for us officials teams everybody it's massive so I think we got the kinks worked out. There weren't there weren't that many. I mean, it was remarkable how smooth everything went. We had great games in soccer and football, and massive crowds, and uh, it just it just blows me away when I, you know, I pay attention to what goes on in other states. The kind of facilities a lot of states use. They use high school, maybe small college facilities for their state tournaments. 
we go to U.S. Bank Stadium and Target Field and Target Center and the X and, and the U, and it's phenomenal here. We really have a, have some good places to play. Yeah, those state tournaments are at uh, absolutely uh, world-class facilities, that's for sure. Last question for you, some change at the top. There's been a steady uh, leadership hand at the Minnesota State High School League for what, almost three decades now. Take us through uh, kind of what's uh, unfolding here over the next few months. Yeah, recently Dave Stead, who's been with the league for 31 years, and I think 29 of them as our executive director announced he's gonna he's not gonna fully retire but he'll go to a part-time role in February and uh, we'll, we'll be posting a job description at some point here to find a find a new executive director whoever that is will have giant shoes to fill because Dave is uh, just a, a, from a national perspective he's maybe the most respected you know high school administrator in the country just for, for the things he's helped him you know help us do in Minnesota over the years our adapted sports we, we do a lot of things before other states do it. We're kind of a national leader, and a lot of that is because of Dave. So he's just made a huge impact. A big part of the reason I took this job was because I knew Dave Stead and respected him so much. And, yeah, he'll be dearly missed, but thankfully he's not going away. He's still going to be in the office a little bit anyway and kind of guide the next uh, executive director. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what the future holds at the leadership spot in the uh, Minnesota State High School League. Your Twitter handle, if people want to follow you? At MSHSL John. We have a lot of fun on there. We goof off sometimes, Mike. Yeah. Favorite food at a last one for you. I, I, I lied, so I have one more. Favorite food at a concession stand this past year? Okay. this I get this question a lot because I like to tweet what I'm eating. Football games in Becker, Minnesota, pork chops. They have some secret ingredient. They marinate these things for months or weeks. I don't know how it is. They bring them in, stacked in coolers. They throw them on the hot grill, hand them to you in a napkin. And I've been to games in Becker where I, I will request two or three to take home. I'll bring my own cooler, and they'll cook them up, and I'll bring them home. Yeah, that's far and away, Becker pork chops. My mouth's watering. Enjoy the school year. Thanks, John. Thank you, Mike. Once again, that was MN's Mike Grimm and the Minnesota State High School League's John Malay. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.